With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the Star Reynolds Sports Desk, your 950 KJR Sports Headlines. All right, boys and girls, here we go. Headlines on a Friday night right here on 950 KJR. Of course, are brought to you by our friends at VenueKings.com. Welcome back to Insider. I'm Pat O'Brien. Well, let's start in the NFL. Some sad news, man, that came out last night. Uh, former Denver, mostly with the Broncos. One year with Houston, one year with the Jets. You remember wide receiver Demarius Thomas? Yes, sir. Found dead in his Roswell, Georgia home yesterday. He was 33 years old, and he would have turned 34 on Christmas Day. How about mm. that? Sad news, man. Jim Harbaugh went from the hot seat at the beginning of the year to the college football playoff at the end of the year, and today was named AP Coach of the Year. And the NCAA, maybe we get Hughes' take on this, they have banned the use of the fake slide just a week after Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett used the play to score a touchdown in last week's ACC title. Well, they should have banned the thing. I thought it was banned already. It's banned in the NFL, by the way, but it should have been banned in college football. And by the way, Jim Harbaugh should have been Coach of the Year. This is the first time an unranked team has made the Final Four uh, since the college football playoff began in 2014. All right, what else? Uh, Kraken 3-0 lost to Winnipeg last night. They host Columbus tomorrow at 7 o'clock, pregame 6.30, right here on 950 KJR. And the Bucs will face Buffalo on Sunday. Tampa activating Richard Sherman off the IR today. Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, a projected top 10 pick, has declared for the NFL draft. And the Husky men's soccer team taking on Georgetown in a half an hour in the final four. And more college football news. Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott is the new head coach of Virginia. That means that Dabo Sweeney in the span of a week has lost his OC, his DC, and his AD. How about that? And three five-star guys, right? Three five-star top 100 recruits (laughs) at Clemson have all walked away as well. Let's get to Hugh Millen right now. All right, baby. I love it. Well, lots of stuff to go over with Huey, and we have some some stuff we want to throw at you. Uh, Cooper Cup was asked about a play over the weekend. We want you to translate this for us, by the way. (laughs) Okay. We'll do that in a second here. But we got to ask you, first of all, uh, Clay Clay is on the move. Your son Clay is uh, putting on Twitter he is going to be entering the transfer portal and leaving Nevada. And we thought maybe you'd know something about that that you could share with us on the air. <laughs> well, uh, well I, I mean, I would only discuss it on the radio just to kind of personalize yep. what these athletes are going. So this is obviously a specific sense here, but it, but it's a generalization because I think a lot of times the athletes are taking a lot of flack on this. And, uh, you know, the coaches, the 40-year-old coaches are making millions of dollars. They can go, they're free to make all the decisions they want in their self-interest. And then, but we're going to bang on the players because now there's a new avenue for them to try and advance theirs. You know, the the short version, and I think this could apply to a lot of people for for, uh, Clay, my youngest son. He he had to wait uh, his freshman, sophomore year uh, while his older brother was playing and his older brother was was you know first team all state Seattle Times and Coma News Tribune and an elite eleven finalist. So he wasn't going to play until his junior year. He won every, led his team to wins uh, every every uh, game his freshman sophomore year. So now he gets a chance at the varsity level 
And, um, you know, I had a good season, 71%, 34 touchdowns, one interception. He was the uh, 247 uh, Offensive Player of the Year in the state. Uh, he had offers to Oregon, uh, Oregon State, uh, Arizona, Colorado, and Big Ten, some other things. Um, so he had he had a few options. He wasn't recruited like John Elway, uh, far from it, but he had some options. And in the end, he had committed to Noel Mazzoni at Arizona, uh, the offense coordinator. That staff got fired. Then in the process, uh, Nevada creeped in, and Nevada's quarterback, Carson Strong, was a projected number one overall pick. In fact, I think preseason Sports Illustrated had him as the number one overall pick. So uh, they he started to think, well, wait a minute, this Mike Leach system that they're running in Nevada, this could be a good good thing. And uh, so he went down there and he committed to those coaches. And then those coaches, they recently moved on to Colorado State. And so that's the whole reason he was at Nevada is to play for those coaches in that system. And, um, and so – now they the those coaches are in Colorado State. Um, they really wanted him to follow. He was the only guy uh, out of seven quarterbacks from the Nevada uh, roster to be invited out there, and so um, you know it kind of makes sense, right? And and so Dick, I think these are these are the type of situations when you really just like look under the hood as to the personal situations. Um, it, look, it's it's a changing uh, environment. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that that. Hardcore and, and old school guys like us don't like about it. But what I've always said is, hang on a sec. Um, these these coaches are now utilizing the uh, the transfer portal. I mean, back in the old days, when I when I went to Washington, I knew I'd have to beat out Chris Chandler, Paul Sicaro when Steve Pelour left to the NFL. Period. End of story. I knew that. I didn't think about anybody else coming in. And guess what? Don James, when he had a staff meeting, he said, look. We better identify and recruit and develop our quarterbacks because approximately every two years, we're going to have to go to battle with an unproven guy, mm-hmm. but he's going to be in our system. Well, coaches don't think that way anymore. Right. I, I, could li- I could write you a freaking PhD thesis of college coaches are now saying, no, I want to go get me somebody who's got experience out of the portal. And so coaches are using it and and players are getting screwed and, and you know – the, so so why shouldn't the players in unique circumstances, why shouldn't they have the opportunity uh, when when adults are having their opportunity to better themselves? So for Husky fans that would love to see another Millen at the University of Washington, um, should we just assume he's going to Colorado State or has Kalen DeBoer reached out? Well, I'm not talking about um, any of all that stuff. I mean, that's that's Clay's decision. He's going to – he can reply to um, – to, to, uh, what's happening with him and and uh we'll go from there but but it is nice to feel like okay you played for um a coaching staff for a year they saw you in scrimmages and and Carson Strong had missed a couple of weeks and so he got a lot of opportunities to practice with the number ones and what have you and uh even with Carson Strong tapping out of the bowl game he's able to get a lot of experience um and uh so so I would just say that it's it's nice to be wanted by the coaching staff that knows you well, listen we we decide what you talk about on this show okay so <laughs> just keep that in mind all yeah. right but we were talking earlier on the program uh about what's the one thing that we would want to do 
do to fix the Seahawks? And uh, Dick brought something up that I want to get your thoughts on. So you 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 tell Hugh what your right. your one point plan is my, to fix my this football grand team. plan. Yes, yes, my grand plan is to hire Todd Lewicki as the chief executive officer of the Seattle Seahawks. He is everyone's boss, other than Jody Allen. Pete Carroll gets stripped of his executive title, similar to how Mike Holmgren got stripped, or uh, yeah, stripped of his executive title back in 2002. Pete is the head coach and the head coach only. John Schneider is the general manager and director of player personnel. And he has discussions, obviously, with Pete, but no different than other general managers and head coaches have discussions in player personnel with other other teams. Do you think that would... uh, that would help this franchise. I like it. Now, who has the final say on personnel? You're saying now John. it's John Schneider? John Schneider. John, yep. John Schneider? Yep. Well, then we'd have to analyze. Here's the problem with, with this. Over 10 years, you had a remarkable beginning to their talent acquisition. Those three years, uh, uh, 10, 11, and 12, they acquired, oh, I don't have it in front of me, though I have studied it, like 19 starters and eight Pro Bowl guys. I mean, I mean it was a remarkable series of uh, – of drafts. Um, since then, you know, Mark Twain said, if you have a reputation as an early riser, you can sleep till noon. Mm-hmm. And what happened is that the the duo of John Schneider and Pete Carroll got a reputation as being great drafters and evaluators. Well, if you go from the last five, six years, it's been, you know, a junk show in terms of their acquisition, their trades, their drafts, what have you, by any reasonable barometer, Seattle has been well, well, well below the average in terms of their execution on this. So what part does Schneider play in that? Might be difficult to ascertain because Carroll has had the final say. But I I generally feel like Schneider is an accomplished GM, but any reasonable conclusion would be that a lot of the shine has has come off of his yeah. lust. Well, like I told Dick last segment, we don't know how John Schneider would do leading the charge because he's never done it, right? He never did it yeah. in Seattle. He's never done it at any other stop in the NFL. So uh, maybe it is time to let John Schneider run the entire thing. I don't know. You know, it's funny, Dick, uh, 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 guys, that the, the conversation of is, is a team better off without player X when player X just got hurt? sometimes is a hard topic for people to swallow, right? But I will tell you this, and I know this for a fact. The St. Louis Rams in the mid-'90s were better (laughs) off when Trent Green got hurt because it gave him Kurt Warner, right? right. And he won the MVP, and they won the damn Super Bowl. So I'm wondering, is this football team better off without Jamal Adams? Will we see an even better defense? Will, 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 Will we see a better secondary Will we see a better football team with Ryan Neal in there starting Sunday versus Jamal Adams? Well, we don't know. Um, I would say that that certainly you're going to be better off in coverage. Uh, it, it's not difficult to assert that uh, just because of where Jamal Adams had been in coverage. And, and even when both of them were healthy, it was Ryan Neal that 90% of the time was drawing the tougher cover in cover one. That's Ryan Neal making $920,000, by the way. Um, And so the other part of it would be the run support. Well, you know, I I think from a tackling grade, I think PFF has has Jamal Adams, the 83rd ranked safety Hmm. in the NFL uh, currently. So I don't know that you're giving up a lot. Yeah, there's a handful of plays where you you look at Jamal Adams and say, okay, that's a nice play. That's a a physical play, what have you. Uh, But 
any safety over the course of 70 plays on defense is going to have a handful of good plays. So uh, I I just don't think they're missing much. I don't think they're going to do much different schematically. They're a uh, 21% of the time they're in man-to-man with a free safety. 26% of the time they're in a cover two. 30% of the time the highest um, – uh, modality in terms of their their coverages is is the cover three the the cover three that in the legion of boom times that they probably played seventy five percent of the time so I, I think the tendencies are going to remain the same and you just put Ryan Neal in there and you play ball Hugh I think there's a third strike in this whole Jamal Adams situation that needs to be addressed the first strike obviously was trading two first round draft picks the second strike was giving him a the largest contract in safety history, and the third strike potentially is Quandre Diggs. If you're Quandre Diggs' agent, don't you just beat down John Schneider's door in the offseason and say, look what you're paying this dude, and my client's a lot better than he is, so do you think Jamal Adams' contract is actually going to cost the Seahawks money with Quandre Diggs' contract? Well, it could if you have to, I mean, if you are able to re-sign Diggs, I mean, Diggs is the better player. Um, he was a Pro Bowl player last year, and and I, I think he's been more impactful to the football team. So, yeah, it's a conundrum. And, uh, you know, I'd say beyond that, uh, you know, Russell Wilson got 3% higher than Aaron Rodgers when he was the highest paid quarterback. They went 17% above the highest contract for strong safeties. Why? That was, You could have gone a dollar more, even if you just said, okay, you we just made you the highest paid safety in the history of the NFL by a dollar. Why did you have to go by by a million and a half? You could get a nice player, perhaps, yeah. for a million yeah. and a half. Why did they do that, you think? Uh, ego? I don't know. I ego? think that they... Is there an ego involved there? Uh, well, I think I think that Adams was trying to get Bobby Wagner money. That was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think that they just wanted to get as close to Bobby Wagner as they could. So it wasn't... It, it was the safety money that they were going for, highest safety contract in NFL history, and it was how close can we get to to touching Bobby Wagner to be the highest-paid player on the defense. Right. Well, uh, there's obviously some kind of a disconnect at times between fans and fans and media and media and fans and media over Jamal Adams, and there's two camps out there. There's one camp that says it's been a disaster. I read Matt Calkins' piece in the Times, I think, yesterday. Uh, He's comparing it to uh, some of the worst trades in Seahawk history, and there's other fans out there that think that Jamal Adams actually has been pretty darn good and is a lot better than people think. Uh, where do you think that comes from? What 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 are we missing here when it comes to the Jamal Adams is bringing it every single weekend camp? What's going on out there? I don't get it. That's not what I see. Um, you, you know, I can just cite other people. Uh, Pro Football Focus has him as the number 97 safety in the league and number 138 in coverage. Um Troy Aikman is circling Jamal Adams in the telecast saying, hey, they've got Jamal Adams here, meaning that's the guy to pick on. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Greg Cosell comes in and and tells you his opinion. Well, he doesn't have the talent to base a defense around. He's a liability in coverage. I mean, there's others. Uh, he, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to get somebody to ride shotgun with me on this, I guess, but I can just tell you, yeah. for me, the study that I do, I think that, there's just a lot of, of times where he's running away. He's not being active. Um, there's a physicality that, that should be there. That that I'm, I'm just comparing him to Cam Chancellor. Mm-hmm. Cam Chancellor was your box safety, right? And, right? and if Jamal Adams is the highest paid safety in the history of football, then it's not unfair to compare him to Cam Chancellor. Well, there is no comparison. 
You know, I told you on the on the uh, on the tel- on the telephone, Cam Chancellor is a human taser. He could just literally buckle guys with his physicality. Yeah, I believe you told Puckett that Jamal Adams is a oh. pimple on Cam Chancellor's ass. I yeah, believe I don't, that's I don't, the quote I don't, that I don't, you I don't take that back. Yeah. I mean, I just see. That's a big pimple, by the way, man. That's a, ooh, gee, painful. Well, I'll tell you what. Cam Chancellor had a had a big load that he would freaking drop on people. He dropped the house on guys. And yeah. he, and offensive linemen, I mean, just, just get up under their chin and you just see their knees buckle. And, uh, you know, there's hits on tight ends. Demarius Thomas in the Super Bowl, Cam Chancellor knocked him four yards freaking back. Yeah. Uh, you know, to set the tone in the first series of that game. Um, watch the running backs in, in, in a inside, when you run inside zone, if you take all the big runs that happen on inside zone, like let's say the running backs can go at, aim at the left guard. Some people say it's the inside foot. Sometimes some people say it's the ass crack, whatever it is. You're aiming at the left guard. All right. But the bigger runs come when the defense flows and then you cut back. Well, Seattle, when they would play their their single high defense, which again, even now, they are far more in single high than they're in in two high, even though they're in two high more than they used to be. But the cutback lane, that's where Cam Chancer was the unblocked dude. And so you could just see running backs going, I'm not going back over there. Are you kidding me? An unblocked Cam Chancellor, and they would just keep it playside. They don't want the cutback lane. You're looking back, saying, "Wait, first and you know, first layer, you got a chance to cut it back." Well, not if Cam Chancellor's there. Mm-hmm. And and Jamal Adams, he just doesn't bring that physicality. You know, I thought looking at the Jets, I remember studying him with the Jets, and one of the things I said, "Look, I love his his instincts, his first step. He can he can he can sift through traffic. I think that's good. He's a good tackler." Although there's times I'm I'm sitting there going, why isn't he bringing the hammer? Why is he going for the ankles when he's in enough of a tight space? If you're out there way outside the numbers and there's nobody around you and you're one-on-one with the running back, if you can just ankle tackle and get him down, that's great because that's a tough play. But the more you get into space in the middle of the hash marks, there's times where you say, hey, this running back is caught in a phone booth. He can't go outside. He can't go inside. I got a chance to go right through his lungs and separate him from the ball and send a message to him. Don't you come back here in our one high defense. Don't you cut back here. And Cam Chancellor would do that routinely. And he would go through, again, right through the numbers. And there's times I'm like, I'm like at times, the most of the time when I look at Jamal, I'm like, why are you going at his freaking shins? You're a box safety. You're a premier box safety. Stop going going for ankle tackles like we're outside the numbers. You are in a phone booth. Knock that guy. Take his lungs out. And so um, there's just a whole list of things in my mind where you just say this a reasonable standard for how he should cover, how he should be a run deterrent. He's just not close to meeting yeah. those standards. Well, let's talk about what they do uh, because he's done for the year, right? Uh, now you have a problem with the guy while he's on the field, and now you may not even have the guy available to improve and get better. And if he does come back, will he be the same player? You know, Will that shoulder injury now hamper him the rest of his career? We'll get a break. Hugh Millen rejoins us. A lot more to get to with Huey. And uh, Cooper Cup, by the way, had an explanation <laughs> of a play over the weekend. And there's only one guy we know that can 
can translate this. Uh, this is like going into a Chinese restaurant and getting a menu given to you, and it's in Chinese. We need Hugh to translate what the hell Cooper Cup was talking about coming out of that game over the weekend next on 950 KJ. Your love. Now back to Football Friday, powered by Bud Light, on your home for the Huskies and the 12th man, Seattle's Sports Radio 950 KJR. I need a quick ruling, Hugh, on something from you. And I yeah. want you to keep in mind one thing. We only have 90 minutes left in the radio show, okay? <laughs> yeah. So I need a 30-second answer. Jackson Feltz believes it's too early to be listening to Christmas music. I say no. I say the day what? after Thanksgiving, you hit it and you hit it hard. He wants it to be maybe a couple of days. He said like a week, a week, right? He said yeah. a week before Christmas, December the 18th. No. What about you? No. Yeah. No, you're clear after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I agree. But you got to live, let Thanksgiving breathe. No yeah. Christmas tree, right. no Christmas lights, no Christmas music. Yep. But the day after, it's you're you're, uh, you're all in. Boom! Turn the damn chair. Turn the damn switch and let's rock and roll. Well, uh, I agree with that. Uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this clip or not. This was after the Rams beat the Jaguars 37-7 on Sunday in L.A. Uh, Cooper had a 29-yard catch and run touchdown and was asked about it during a post-game interview with the NFL Network. And both Dick and I and Jackson heard this and said, oh, we got to get Hugh Millen to explain what the hell he's talking about. So roll it. Go ahead. What did you see there? How were you able to, to use that to your advantage? Yeah, they had a little three-deep fire zone, brought the nickel off the edge, safety drop down. Uh, it didn't look like they were doing a replacement fire zone, so I knew at the back away we were going to get three pushing through. Um, that I had an opportunity to kind of run in there if I could beat my guy and just had to beat the safety to the end zone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what do you make of that, huh? Okay. Well, I tried. By the to way, that's gonna that, that's gonna excite you tremendously hearing something like that. Um, huh? well, that's like Meg Ryan in the restaurant right there for you. Here's what I would say: if you go to Italy, um, there's a lot of five year olds walking around speaking fluid Italian. Oh yeah, it's not hard. You know what he's saying is not hard. It's just you have to. If you haven't been exposed to Italian, you're not going to know what the hell that five year old is saying, right? So um, three deep fire zone. So w- w- what that is is where you're going to have a guy coming off the slot. The safety, you're going to be in a too high look, and the safety to that side is going to come down. All right. When he says there's not going to be an exchange, that means there's not going to be any defensive lineman or anybody uh, uh, who's dropping off. So you're going to have a five man rush. Uh, then you're going to have, when he said the three is going to push, that's what he means by, by you're not going to have a replacement. When he says three is going to push, when when you have three to a side, here's how the defense looks at it. There's five eligible receivers. We have 90 minutes left, by the way. When they're three deep, <laughs> when they when you have a three deep, three under, three under is not enough to spot drop and play defense. You have to play man concepts within a zone. So the middle linebacker has to look and say, are they three receivers to the left or three receivers to the right? So what? I don't know if he was lined up on the right or the left, but the three receivers went away from him, meaning. The middle linebacker had to go away from him, which means he was one on one on the uh, with the safety that was coming down into what's called his curl flat zone. <laughs> the the uh, the Mike who has the hook zone, he has got to go to the three receiver side. And when he said the back is away, that means that the three receiver side. So he had to have been on the two receiver side, and the uh, on the opposite side was the three receiver side. So he knew the Mike backer was going to push to that three receiver side, and he'd have a big gap. Yeah, they had a little three-deep fire zone, brought the nickel off the edge, safety drop down. 
That's beautiful. That's beautiful, Hugh. Well, well done. done. Well Good done, job, Hugh. Man. Well done. And you did it in 60 seconds. I'm Not bad. Oh, man. God. There's Hugh, only one other thing I can do in 60 everything. seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep that to yourself, by the way. Uh, Huey, I sent, a, I, I sent a poll out today. I'd love you to do, uh, weigh in on this poll. Got an it's update very, there for us? Uh, I do have an update. I want to get Hugh's answer before right. I get the up, get right. the update on the poll, though. Very simple poll. Chip Kelly at Oregon would be good for UW, bad for UW. Oh, geez, I only get one. One. Yeah, there's no weasel option. It's either good yeah, for UW I, or bad for I'm UW. I'm inclined to say good for UW because I don't think that Chip mm. Kelly's as good a coach as Mario Cristobal anymore. I think Chip Kelly wow. once was. Um, I think that uh, Chip Kelly was a guy that came in and he had he, – he really was a running coach coach and he had this breakneck speed that basically he and Baylor were about the only ones that were doing it with brows right and and then he had multiple formations and motions and what have you but he only had about four running plays and then the passing game off of that there was such a threat from the quarterback and and having to process so fast that guys were getting wide open so he didn't have other than Mariota he didn't really have really accomplished quarterbacks uh, uh we had what what D- um, Dennis Thomas, Dixon. Dennis Darren Dixon, Thomas. To Darren Thomas. Yeah, yeah, they had guys there. You know, those guys didn't get a sniff in the league, right? Yeah. right? Brady um, Lee. He, Bra- yeah. So other than Mariota, they haven't had an NFL-type quarterback, but they got guys wide open because they put such a burden on you so fast. And, of course, they had, uh, you know, in, in uh, the Black Mamba and all these guys, they had great speed. Right at the uh, skill positions, but it was unique. It was a unique tempo. It was unique in terms of their marketing, putting uh, guys in billboards. It was unique in the uniforms. Uh, and so they kind of created a sexy brand, but he's fallen off. Everybody's caught up to that. Yeah, People practice it. People have copied it. So I, unless he can remake himself and invent the new thing that's unique, yep. I just think that uh, Cristobal as a recruiter – is probably more dangerous mm-hmm. than Kelly would be on the whole. No, it's a good point. Uh, Hugh Millen with us. How about Jay Kaner, man? Jay Kaner announced uh, yesterday, right? By on the way, Twitter. the fans agree with Hugh. Yeah. 65 to 35. There you go. Percent. Then, you know what? Well, hire the guy for God's sakes. Yeah, Bring him back. Um, Jay Kaner announced yesterday he's staying at Fresno. He said he admitted his plan was to come back and go to Washington. And then the Bulldogs went and hired Jeff Tedford. <laughs> so he stayed at Fresno State. How about that? Well, I thought he was coming to Washington based on on everything, but uh, Jeff Tedford was a mentor to DeBoer, and you know I don't know what kind of snafus he may have encountered with respects to his yeah. transfer. That and may have been have part you. of it, by the way, too. Yeah, go ahead. Man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I there's no sense getting into the details of of that because it depends on what his graduation status is and everything. So that'd be just conjecture on my part. But um, yeah, a little bit surprised. I mean, when he said he was leaving Fresno. Uh, I know they were hanging trader signs up around campus, and so uh, hopefully from his perspective, he's going to be welcome back. But having Tedford there certainly was the best-case scenario for Fresno State in order to uh, recapture Jay Kaner. How much trouble is Kalen DeBoer in right now at quarterback? Because some people could say, well, you got your starter back. You've got a five-star red shirt freshman back, you're not in trouble. And then other Cusky fans might say, well, did you see that starter? And did you see that five-star freshman? So how much trouble is he in and what should he do? Well, it's pretty interesting that everybody by the end of the year was completely dumping on Dylan Morris and he's completely worthless. But then 
Sam Heward played in the Apple Cup and his QBR in that, and I'm not talking about passer rating. QBR is, is a far more effective way of, of, uh, of, of grading guys. His QBR was worse, not only worse than any game that Dylan Morris had, it was worse than any starter in the entire Pac 12 for the entire season. Huh. And that's not to, and that's not to comment on who Sam Heward could become someday. You know, he's a young guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he has, he's going to have, Four more years to prove what type of quarterback he is. I'm right. just saying, if you're DeBoer and you put on the tape of the Apple Cup and you're saying, wait a minute, we're playing Michigan State in September, I don't know how you can look at Morris and near the bottom of the Pac-12 stats and then watch the Apple Cup and not think that you need to get a big-time potential starter to come in in September. Yeah. And not worry about you know what may or may not come true in the future with whatever – you know, I mean, I mean, look at the the five stars, the twelve guys that were ranked ahead of of Heward in the last uh, few years in terms of of the five stars because they're they're ranked. Of the twelve guys, nine of them transferred. Only four of them won any bowl game. Only two of the twelve won a New Year's Six bowl game. Only four got drafted, and only one went in the first round. Yeah. So what is what is what is it, Five star A, you say, well, there's so much subjectivity to to the stars, anyways. And then even if you say, okay, you got a legitimate fi- legitimate five star, you would actually be far more uh, uh, prudent to bet against a five star mm-hmm. than you would to be to bet on a five star well, if you just go by history. Yeah, I think I think Sam was put in a really bad spot in the Apple Cup, man. And I I I I, I said that the day of the game. I said it the week before the game. If they want to start him in the Apple Cup, they should have given the guy the start against Colorado or even maybe a week or two before that and let him build up to a rivalry football game. And the program may be guys better off for the long term because Sam started that game. We'll see what kind of impact that game has on him heading into next spring and next yeah. fall. But I think for that day day, that particular day, I still believe they would have been better off starting Dylan Morris for as bad as things have been going. Well, there was some division in the in the uh on the football team. Some of the older guys, um, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna mention names, but but some of the guys thought it was a big mistake. Right. Um you, you know, you had and again, as you said, that's not a commentary on Sammy's future. That's a commentary on where he was on where that they particular were. Yeah. weekend. Yeah, well, you, a tough situation yeah, to throw right. him in. Well oh, you'd had you'd, brutal you'd situation. Had, you had two separate head coaches that had made the determination that Dylan was was better than Sam. You had Jimmy Lake, and then you had uh, Gregory. Now you right. say, well, wait a minute, how, how did Gregory make that declaration? Go back to the Arizona State game. Mm-hmm. Once you had played Heward for a single snap, then you might as well have let him play the whole snaps, right? But Heward had five snaps in that game. Yeah. Right? Yes. You, you yeah, follow me? It. So if, they, if Gregory thought, if he said, look – I'm going to preserve Sam Heward's redshirt year. Yeah. I'm going to, I get two games to play with him. He could I'm not going to play him, him on the road against yeah. Colorado. Agreed. Yep. But I'm going to start him in the Apple Cup. But if he thought he was better, then then at Arizona State, why would he only have five passes? The whole thing he could have twenty five. I totally agree with well, you. Well, but you know, very again, odd. Very, it's like, very weird. It's like Dylan sucks because of uh, uh, everything we saw. But then any mistakes we saw in the Apple Cup, well, that's all the coach's fault. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Listen, man. Great stuff. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, best of luck to Clay. Yeah. All right. And we'll talk next Friday, pal. Thanks, Appreciate you. this, Rock man. Well. You okay. bet. Hugh Millen with us. All right. We got a DPI. We got stats are for losers coming next right here on 950 KJR. Stats are for losers. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.